are doing um, session six tonight, which is the spirit of fear. And it's, uh, uh, it's an umbrella under the spirit of fear, which we started last week, and the title is The Root of Rejection. That's the topic that we're going to be talking about today. So last week, when I was introducing the whole concept of fear versus faith, I shared that on the side of faith, God has done everything. The work is done. Jesus completed it once and for all. And our faith is a result of our soul agreeing with God. When our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, is in agreement with God, then the creative power that's already done is able to to work. It's able to do its work. It's connected. Our faith connects with the finished work, and the creative power of God is allowed to manifest in our bodies. So our soul is a very important part. Our spirit plus our soul, two against one, which is our body or our issues of life, two against one. That's Tom's line. I love it. Simple, powerful. But the, uh, the opposite is also true. And this is what I shared last week, that if our soul, our mind, will, and emotions is in agreement with the enemy's purpose, the enemy's plan, if our focus is on the negative, if our focus is not only on the negative situation and circumstances, but part of that focus may also be looking at ourself, keeping our eyes inward focused. Am I doing enough? Am I not doing enough? Am I doing, am I, and, and whatever. Am I forgiving enough? Am I pre, um, declaring the scriptures enough? Am I, um, uh, do I have an open door? Do I have sin? Do I have, do I have, do I have? If our focus is there, then the destructive power of the enemy has the potential to have his way of stealing, killing, or destroying. So is our soul aligned with the finished work that's already done in the spiritual realm? Or is our soul aligned with all this other yuck? And that's fear. That's the birthplace of fear and the opportunity for fear to grow. Now, this testimony I want to share um, took place this past Friday. It was phenomenal. Um, Kent and I are um, part of a healing room ministry at Rochester Christian Church on Friday nights. It meets twice a month. And um, it was Friday night, and Kent and I were um, just waiting for people to come. And this, this woman came to the prayer room, beautiful woman, strong woman of faith. She came in for prayer, and she sat down, and she started to tell me what the issue was. And I'm going to pray for this for everybody, because it sounds like it's the same thing that's been attacking our lovely Aaron. But she's had this intense pain in her abdomen on the right side, and she thinks it's her ovary. She's not sure, but she thinks it's her ovary. And it has been ongoing. This issue she's had has been ongoing for years. She, it has been getting worse. The pain has been getting worse. And it's resulted in an issue of blood um, bleeding um, uh, with her monthly cycle. It's, it's out of balance. Something's wrong there. And she said, but this is what she said. She said, I have been fighting fear. I have been fighting the fear of cancer. She used the word. I've been fighting the fear of cancer. I've been fighting against the enemy. And she kept saying that. I'm fighting. I'm fighting against the enemy. I'm fighting against the enemy. 
She, re- she repeated that numerous times. And I, I, I stopped and I, her name's Elizabeth. I'm sure she wouldn't care because it's an amazing testimony. I said, Elizabeth, listen to what you're saying. You're talking about fighting, fighting, fighting the enemy, fighting fear. But have you put your eyes on Jesus? Have you put your eyes on the, the love of Jesus and the finished work that he's already accomplished? And I said, that's how I want to pray. So I laid my hands on her abdomen where she showed me the pain was. And I started praying and just putting our eyes on Jesus together, putting our eyes on Jesus and the finished work and receiving the work that Jesus already did and just standing in that place of awe of the, the love of Jesus and his goodness. After I had prayed for a minute, I stopped and I said, what are you sensing? What are you feeling? Are you feeling anything? And she looked up and she said, something's happening in there. And she was like, like in awe. She said, something's happening in there. I feel something changing. I feel something happening. I said, okay, that's good. Let's keep praying. And so I did. I laid hands on her again and continued to pray. And um, at that point, I started to speak to the mountain. Just, this is an aside. When I pray, I acknowledge the bigness of God. That's the first thing I do. The second thing I do is I speak to the mountain. And the third thing I do is thank God. So I started to speak to the mountain. I leaned right over and I started speaking to her ovary. Literally, I started speaking directly to that ovary and calling it into healing and health. After I prayed and thanked God, I said, okay, can you check it? Is there any way you can check it? So she leaned over evidently in the past when she, she couldn't lean over. She couldn't bend over. She had a lot of pain whenever she did. As soon as she bent over and felt for that pain or that mass, she started sobbing. And she said, it's gone. It's gone. It's completely gone. And she was just rejoicing and praising God. And so was I, of course. I saw her on Sunday. That was on Friday. On Sunday at church, she came up to me again, just tears of joy she was completely healed completely healed everything was gone the symptoms the the pressure the the mass everything she was feeling completely gone that's our god praise 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 him he's good so she just changed her focus she changed her focus from looking at the enemy and the fear and the um fighting the enemy And her focus changed to Jesus. I found this scripture today I want to share. Um, Ken, go ahead and put the first scripture up there. Our, Our title of our series is Master Gardening for Your Soul. We're looking at the gardening, the tending of our heart, of our soul. Our soul is that middle, that middle ground between faith and fear. God himself tends the soil of our heart. The scripture says, may the God of peace himself make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless. Those words, I said it every week and I'm just going to say it again, mean may your whole spirit, soul and body be carefully tended and taken care of until the day of Jesus Christ. God will make this happen. For he who calls you is faithful. Well, I found this scripture today. I was preparing another message for next week. 
This is James 1.21 from the Message Bible. Listen to this. So throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with his word, making a salvation garden of your life. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? That is, again, it's James one twenty one from the Message Bible. Let me read it again. So throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. Cancerous evil can be the stuff we're talking about. Root of rejection, spirit of fear, woundedness, lies. That's evil. It's a deception of the enemy. Throw it all in the garbage. In simple humility, in a position of submission, in a position of seeking God first, giving him lordship, in simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with his word, making a salvation garden of your life. Salvation and everything that it, it holds. Sozo. Remember that word salvation is the Greek word sozo. Wholeness. Healing, salvation, deliverance, wholeness, wellness, all of it. All wrapped up. And that happens through knowing the truth, knowing God's word of truth and being renewed in your mind. Isn't that good? Okay. So today we are going to look at a subset of the spirit of fear. We're going to look at the root of rejection. The reason I, I felt it was very important to share this particular topic is because I think this is something probably all of us deal with to some extent. I am going to be, later on in this teaching, after the teaching, I'm going to be sharing um, how God showed me that I had this in a big way. And this was only about two, a year and a half ago. And I'm still working through getting this root out of me. So I wanted to share what he has shared with me because I think it's very, I think it's good for all of us. So that word rejection, part of the definition of rejection is to throw away as having no value. To be rejected is to like being tossed aside, thrown away, because you're not good enough, because you're not valued. This is a lie in the area of our soul. This deception of rejection agrees with the enemy and calls God a liar. If you buy this root of rejection that says, I'm not valuable, or, you know, I'm just being tossed aside, what you're doing is you're calling God a liar because according to God, we are accepted. We are not rejected. So if we buy a lie that we're rejected, if we see things in our life, and we're going to go through some, some examples of where, why we may feel rejected, if we take the things that we've experienced and transfer it to God and say, well, then... I guess I'm rejected because God hasn't whatever, then you're believing a lie. If we live steeped in rejection, we're in idolatry because we're putting experiences or others' opinions or even our own opinion above God's. Our value has nothing to do with experiences in life. Our value and how we're valued by God has nothing to do with what other people think or even what we think about ourselves. 
The truth is the truth. And if our if we disagree with the truth, then we're wrong, not the truth, not God's word. So one of the first things I want to show you is um, how this rejection was part of the great exchange. Being healed from rejection is part of what Jesus paid for when he died for us. So this scripture is Isaiah 53, verse 3. It comes right before the prophetic word that I share all the time. Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5, that talks about Jesus carrying our pain and our disease, and by his stripes we're healed. This is the very verse that comes right before that. And it says, he, Jesus, was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we didn't care. He was rejected. I was reading in John 1 this week, and it said he was rejected by man. He was rejected. It was part of the great exchange. He was rejected. He bore rejection. He bore rejection from us so that we could receive the, the, the exchange of acceptance. He bore pain. So that we could live without pain. He bore sickness so we could be healed. He bore rejection so we could be accepted. Everything that he was or should have had the, the, the healing, freedom, um, acceptance, approval, uh, worship. Everything that he deserved because of he was the son of God, the amazing son of God. It's now ours. Freedom from sickness, freedom from pain, freedom from rejection. That's ours. Rejection, therefore, has no power over those who believe and receive the gift. John three eighteen says, Whoever believes and has decided to trust in him as personal Savior and Lord is not judged. For this one, there's no judgment, no rejection, no condemnation. If you've received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, the scripture says there's no, there's no rejection. That's not for me. That's not for you. What I want to do is the same thing I've done in the last several teachings. If there's a root, a bad root of rejection in your soul, my, my prayer, and I'm just going to ask God this. God, I pray that the soil that's around that root is just um, moved away so that you can easily go into the soil of our heart as our gardener and remove that root. So loosen the soil around the root, expose the root so that it can easily be removed, even tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. So I'm going to show you, um, I'm going to expose that root, or at least potential. I'm not saying there's a root in you, but there was one in me. So I'm going to expose a potential root. And I'm going to show you three layers. I'm going to show you the cause and the effect. Cause of the root of rejection, some possible causes. And then the effect of having that root of rejection, what that might look like in your life. And then I'm also going to show you um, how we can compound the issue by our reaction to it. They're called defense mechanisms. 
Okay, so we're just going to go through three, three little layers here of uncovering this root. So first of all, the cause. The cause of the fear of rejection. Here are some possible causes. One would be if your parents were divorced. This may have happened when you were a kid. It may have even happened when you were an adult. But it can result in feeling rejected, especially if your relationship has been um, distanced from one parent or the other. You might feel like you've been rejected from your dad if you don't have as much interaction with your dad or rejected from your mom. Or maybe even you feel like it was your fault and you feel the whole divorce. Many kids feel like for some reason the divorce was their fault and they, there's a sense of rejection because of that. Another possible cause is if you've been divorced yourself or if your spouse has been unfaithful. It's a huge rejection. If you feel like for whatever reason you weren't loved enough that your husband wanted somebody else or your wife wanted somebody else more than you, if there was unfaithfulness or if there was divorce because love went away or anger took such a residence that it overtook the love or whatever, but the spouse was you know, distanced or, or pushed away, it can result in a great deep root of rejection. Another possible rejection is any kind of abandonment. If you've been abandoned, maybe even through the early death of a spouse or the early death of a sibling or the early death of a parent, and you felt like you were abandoned, that can result in this root of rejection. Another example is adoption. If you were adopted... Pastor Tim, my mentor, tells the story of his infancy. He um, was born during the Depression, and his mother gave him up for adoption. Don't know any of the reasons why, because he never, never learned that. But his mother gave him up for adoption. He was left on the doorstep, literally, of this, this home that took in babies. And the, the woman that took him in found an adopted home for him, and he was adopted. But then those parents turned him back in. And then he was adopted by a second family. And that family raised him up. That was, his, that was his beautiful family that he was raised up in. He didn't learn he was adopted until he was 40s or 50s. And when he learned this whole story, oh boy, was he angry. And he had a very big root of rejection, but God turned it around for good. That's another whole testimony. But there was a huge root of rejection. He had been rejected, turned in twice before he, found, before he had a home that wanted him, that accepted him. Another example of possible root fear of rejection is an unwanted pregnancy. From the moment of conception, we talked about this when we talked about mother wounds, but from the moment of conception, there is the, the, the possibility of, of woundedness even before you're born. And if the child is not wanted, if the pregnancy is not wanted, if there is, or perhaps the, the timing of the pregnancy was not wanted, or perhaps the sex of the baby was not the, what the parents wanted, Perhaps there was even an, uh, uh, the possibility of abortion where the mother was even thinking of abortion or an abortion that didn't go right and the baby lived. 
All of those situations are very big open doors for rejection. Another one is peer rejection. When you're growing up, or even when you're an adult, being rejected, the click you didn't quite fit into, or the click that you were in and you got booted out. As I was preparing today, I was remembering, um, and I didn't even realize this until today, but this is something that's in common between my daughter and I, Megan and I, um, and years apart, many years apart, when I was a teenager, I was a cheerleader on like 7th, 8th, ninth grade. My daughter was a cheerleader in 7th, 8th, ninth grade. I didn't fit in with a group. I didn't fit in with the cheerleader groups. I was a, a good student. I was a musician. Didn't fit in. My daughter was the same way. She didn't fit in. It felt, it just felt weird. I mean, I was with the group doing, I mean, I was able to do the, the physical part and the, you know, I was able to do it. It just didn't feel right. And I ended up just not going out for cheerleading, you know, the next year. My daughter had a very serious issue where she went to cheerleading camp for a week. It was, she says, the worst week of my life because I was completely ostracized. Nobody would, like, talk to me or hang out with me. And, I mean, it was really traumatic for her. And she quit after that. So that's an example of peer rejection. And it can cause a wound. Another example of rejection, um, causes of rejection, is a learning or a physical disability. A child that is maybe having a hard time learning or there's a physical disability and they feel rejected. They feel like they're not as good or not valued or not, you know, there's a, a rejection issue. Another example is abuse or neglect. Verbal abuse, physical abuse, words that are spoken that uh, put that feeling of not valued in your soul. And the last example I have here is of a mom or dad who, for whatever reason, weren't there for their child. It might be the hours they were working. It might have been the, the, just the way life went. But it caused a root of rejection. And again, as I was preparing today, I remembered just, and it's, it's seems really tiny, but it really made, it really upset me. And that's when I was a kid, back to when I was a kid. Um, I had two older brothers, an older sister, and I was the youngest girl. There were four kids. And the boys were really into sports. And my mom and dad went to every one of their sporting events. Loved it. But I was a cheerleader for those three years, and they never went to one of my games. And, you know, I didn't even think of it then. Well, I'm sure I did, or I wouldn't remember it now. But, you know, it just didn't, didn't set right. And that's a potential for me to feel rejected from my parents. Like, well, they cared about boys' sports, but they didn't care about girls' cheerleading. You know, it wasn't as important or whatever. So those are examples of possible root causes, and I'm sure there's a lot more. But if there has been a root, and you have received that feeling or that root of rejection... It can result, remember we talked way back when we started this whole series, that in the natural, if you have a wound, there's the potential for infection. So here are some possible infections or symptoms that might result if you have a wound of rejection. Now, when these were presented to me, I was at a conference a couple years ago, and these same, I'm going to share the ones that were, that were shared with me, and as they were sharing these symptoms, 
I realized that I had 50% of them. There's 20 things on this list. I had 11 of the 21 in my soul in a big way. And that started, in me, it started to uncover this open root that I had, or this root of rejection. So here are them. I'm just going to quickly go through this list. The, a feeling of a need to be accepted by others, appreciated, approved of. And you feel like you need people to tell it to you. A false humility in response to compliments. So when compliments are given, instead of receiving it and saying thank you, it's like, oh, mm, not really. You know, and just like kind of diminishing the compliment and not receiving it. False humility. Another symptom is being um, n- not wanting any conflict being afraid of conflict or completely avoiding conflict. Another example of a symptom of this root is the fear of man, fear of what people think, how they are reacting, paying really close attention to reactions of people, fear of failure. Another symptom is craving sympathy, wanting sympathy, and identifying with uh, the disease or the cold or the wound or the issue and wanting sympathy for it. Another symptom is changing faces when you're with different people or in different settings. So when you're in one group, you act one way, talk one way, act one way. When you're in another setting, you talk differently, act differently. Another symptom is feeling like you can't talk right around some people. Like you're tongue-tied and you just can't get the words out around certain groups of people or certain um, environments. Feeling like you don't belong. The issue of comparison. Comparing yourself to others. Maybe even putting others down so that you'll be built up. So you feel better about yourself. Competition or jealousy. Sibling rivalry. A, a feeling of constant dissatisfaction, like you're never fulfilled. You keep striving, like you can't, you can't ever get to that point of being, feeling good about yourself. There's constant striving. Perfectionism, being a workaholic. Depression, hopelessness. Insecurity or inferiority. Insecurity, I said that wrong. Insecurity or inferiority poor self-esteem. And then the last three kind of go together. Rebellion, defensiveness, or explosive anger. Those are all possible symptoms of having this root of rejection. Now remember a couple weeks ago, or maybe more than that, I was talking again about the woundedness, and I told you about my mother-in-law. She got that big wound and it didn't heal. She was putting peroxide on it for a long time, for like a month, two months. She kept treating it with peroxide and bandage and it wouldn't heal. Well, the problem was peroxide was keeping it from healing because it was, it was killing germs, but it was also killing all the new cell growth and healing. And when she finally went to a wound management place, they had to she had to have all kinds of skin grafts and all sorts of treatment because of what she had done 
preventing it from healing. So these, this next thing that I'm going to share called rejection protection or self-defense mechanisms can do exactly that. They can try to cover up the root, can cover up or, or protect yourself from that feeling of rejection, but it's not getting healed. And it actually makes it worse. So the first rejection protection is pretense. It's a passive response to wounding. And basically what it is, is you just say, well, it doesn't, I don't really care. It doesn't really matter. And you kind of stuff it in, stuff it in, stuff it in. That's what I did. When I had, and I'm going to share my story later, but that's what I did. I just, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Just ignore it. Put it in there. Stuff it in. Bye-bye. But it wasn't bye-bye. It was down there and it was deep. The second rejection protection is verbal defense or anger. That sharp temper, that anger, that, that um, rebelliousness, that when the rejection comes, you lash out, you fight against it. This is aggressive response. My response was a passive response. But this response is an aggressive response, but it's also a very common response to that hurt of rejection. I want to share two scriptures with you right now. The first one is about Jesus. It's Jesus' example. Because Jesus didn't have the passive or the aggressive response when he was rejected. Listen to what Jesus did. This is 1 Peter 2.23. While being reviled and insulted, he did not revile or insult in return. While suffering, he made no threats of vengeance. But, this is what he did, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges fairly. So he, when he was being rejected, he didn't, he didn't take it in and stuff it. He didn't revile. He, didn't, he wasn't aggressive. He simply entrusted himself to God. And he said, God, I need you. Help me. Take care of me. And he just released himself into the hands of Jesus, into the hand of his father. Now, the second scripture is what we have the same potential that Jesus had. This scripture, John 14, 16, is the promise of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God to give us what we need to walk through anything that we're dealing with. But today we're talking about rejection. So the spirit is there for us. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, to be with you forever. Now, that's good news. So that's everything we need. I have my counselor. <laughs> I have my advocate. I have my strength. I have my helper. I have everything I need. I don't need to deal with it by myself because I have the Holy Spirit. And so do you, right? Okay. The next rejection protection possible is buying protection. So here are a couple questions. Do you bless people just because you love them? So do you, you know, buy them gifts and, and help them out and bless them just because you love them? 
Or do you bless them to get them to love you? If it's the second part, it might be a rejection protection. And the second question is kind of the opposite side of the same, the same um, defense mechanism. Do you allow others to control and manipulate you so that you won't lose them and feel rejected? Do you allow yourself to be abused or neglected or controlled or manipulated just because you don't want to be rejected? You don't want to lose that relationship. You don't want to be pushed aside and feel like you're not valued. So you allow those kinds of things. You're, 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 in a way, you're buying protection, even though it's in a very negative way. And the last defense mechanism or rejection protection is counterfeit walls. This is a big one. Where we build a wall, but it's not a good wall. We build a wall to protect ourselves from being hurt. What we're actually doing is allowing the enemy to harm us. Because there are good walls. There's God walls. And I'm going to show you some of those in Scripture. But the enemy exchanges those good walls, God's good walls of protection and safety for counterfeit walls that prevent us from truth and from freedom. They hold us captive instead of allowing us to be free. This whole series about master gardening of our heart is about freedom. But counterfeit walls can hold you captive or imprisoned instead of free. First scripture I want to show you is Isaiah 61, verse 1, which is about Jesus and how he came to heal us in every area. And this is particularly about the soul. Isaiah 61, verse 1, I, I believe is about our soul. This is a word spoken about Jesus about 600 years before he was born. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. So Jesus came to give us liberty, captives liberty, and prisoners release. That's what Jesus, part of what Jesus came to give us. I want to talk very briefly about captives and prisoners. Captives... In, the, in, the, in war, in natural war, not talking right now about our soul, but in war, captives are held captive against their will through no fault of their own. They're captured. But in the realm of our soul, we can be held captive or we can be held in bondage through this root of rejection and then the lies that we buy as a result of the rejection, like I'm not lovable or I'm not worthy or I'm not valuable or, or, you know, people keep rejecting me and I have to protect myself so I'm not hurt again. If we buy all those lies, we're holding ourselves captive. Prisoners in, um, in real life are imprisoned because of something they've done to deserve it. In the realm of our soul, we can be held in self-made prison through unforgiveness. 
through sin consciousness instead of righteousness consciousness. We're going to talk more about that later. We can be held imprisoned through these counterfeit walls. I want to show you God's plan. That's the enemy's plan. I'm going to show you God's plan. God's walls have two purposes, and they're good. The first purpose is for safety and protection from enemies. And the second purpose is fortification to be built up to overcome your enemies. So God's walls are for safety and protection from enemies and fortification to build you up to overcome enemies. God's walls are good. I'm going to read you two scriptures about God's walls. Isaiah 26.1. In that day, everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. You could put your name in there. In that day, Cindy will sing this song. My soul is strong. I am surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. And this, this is like, you know the helmet of salvation when you talk about the armor of God? The helmet of salvation is... The, a mindset of salvation thoughts, a mindset of so-so, a mindset of being whole and healed and delivered and set free and saying, that's who I am. And the scripture says, I'm going to just shout it out. I'm going to sing this song. I am strong. I am surrounded. I have the helmet of salvation. That's who I am. Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs to it and is safe and set on high, far above evil. That's who I am. I am the righteous. I'm the righteousness of God through Jesus. That's who I am. When I know who I am, when I have an identity, a correct identity, instead of rejected, not valued, not good enough, when I have the right identity, identity. I have the strong tower. I can run to that strong tower. That's a wall. That's a good wall. I can run to that strong tower. And what happens? I'm set on high. I'm set on high above the problem, not in the midst of it. I am an overcomer. I am not overcome by the problem. I overcome the problem. And that is a result of the the correct mindset. The mindset that we have, I have the mind of Christ, right? You have the mind of Christ. Sometimes we need to tell ourselves that instead of allowing the the distorted mindset that we've been receiving. So what I want to share now is a secondary fear that goes under the umbrella of the fear of rejection. And this secondary fear is the fear of man. Fear of being accepted by man. Fear of, of, of not being in the wrong place and not knowing what to do in certain circumstances. Thinking you need to be accepted or approved. Um, do you worry and dwell on what others will think, what they will say or what they will do? 
This was a part of the fear of rejection that I dealt with that I'm going to share about in a, in a little bit. Well, Proverbs 29.25 says, according to God's word, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Hmm, remember when Jesus was rejected and reviled? He entrusted himself to him who judges fairly. This scripture says the same thing. We have a choice. If we allow the fear of man, it's a snare, and it's from the enemy. It's a bait of the enemy. But if we trust in God, then we'll be safe. If we trust in the Lord, we'll be safe. He's giving us options. Which are you going to take? Which are you going to receive? Proverbs 28, 1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. So the wicked flee when no one pursues. This is the fear of man thing. It's a perception. It's a, it's a misperception. Like, what are people thinking? What are they saying? You know, you even look at somebody and think they're talking about you or they're, they're not agreeing with you. I've done it here. I see people and it's like, wow, you know, I, I just don't think they're receiving or I think they're disagreeing with what I'm sharing. And I, and I, I have that. It's like, it's like perceiving. It's probably misperceiving. But you can look at the way somebody looks or their body language or something, and it can put you in a place of fear. And that's what this means. The wicked run when they're not even being pursued. But the righteous, again, we're going back to your mindset, knowing who you are. The righteous, those who know they are righteous, are as bold as a lion. Now, boldness courageousness don't mean the absence of fear but it means doing it afraid taking that step out of your comfort zone and allowing holy spirit to be there to gird you up entrusting yourself to him who is the just judge who will be there with you and for you through the situation whatever it is that might be a little out of your com your comfort zone God wants us to go out and release him and be the light. And if we hold back, if we shrink back in fear, in fact, that's the next scripture I'm going to read. God's not pleased. Hebrews 10.38 says, But my righteous one, again, the one who knows who they are in Christ, the one who has a mindset that agrees with God, but my righteous one, the one justified by faith, shall live by faith respecting man's relationship to God and trusting him. And if he draws back, shrinking in fear, my soul has no delight in him. God doesn't want us to shrink back in fear. It, it, it hurts him. He's given us all the tools that we need. He has positioned us in righteousness, in power, and in authority. His desire for us is to be out there spreading the light, spreading good news. And even if we don't do it with words, at least do it with actions. We have been set free from the addiction to please everyone. But sometimes we're still stuck in the lie that we are addicted to the need to please everyone. We need to choose to be a God-pleaser and not a man-pleaser. 
Galatians 1.10 says, Am I now trying to win the favor and approval of men or of God? Or am I seeking to please someone? If I were still trying to be popular with men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Can't serve both. God says, serve me first, and then everything else will be taken care of. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world. That's what fear of man is. Being conformed, saying, I've got to fit into the mold. Otherwise, I'll be rejected. Otherwise, I won't be accepted. Otherwise, people will think I'm weird. Otherwise, oh, I don't know what will happen, but something will happen. And that fear of man just rises up. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 from the Amplified. I love this scripture. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. So we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? Isn't that a good one? This is one of Cindy's scriptures. You can probably tell it's almost memorized. Because this is one. God just says, this is, this is me. I'm taking care of you. I'm not leaving you, Cindy. I'm here. So be encouraged. Be confident. Be bold. What can man do to you? You've got me. Amen. So there's only one cure. It's easy. God makes everything easy. There's only one cure for the root of rejection. And that is to receive God's acceptance. I am going to share God's promise with you of his acceptance. I've got three scriptures. I'm sure there's a whole lot more. But I'm going to show you three scriptures where God tells us that we are accepted. The first one, I've already read the beginning. It's Isaiah 61. But I'm going to go one, one scripture further. This is my promise of Jesus. This is a prophetic word of Jesus, but you'll see in your handout that it also has in parentheses Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19. They're not exact same words, but Luke is the fulfilled prophetic word from Isaiah. And they're very, very similar. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good, to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus was sent to heal soul wounds, wounded hearts. That's what brokenhearted is. Souls that are crushed, wrecked, quenched, broken. Jesus came to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I'm going to explain the phrase first, the acceptable year of the Lord. And then I'm going to give you the concordance definition for the word acceptable. 
So first of all, the whole phrase, the acceptable year of the Lord refers to the most blessed time when the fullness of salvation profusely abounds. Jesus said, I will come to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This time when salvation, the fullness of salvation profusely abounds. Jesus paid for our salvation. This was prophetic. But in Luke, it was fulfilled through Jesus. When Jesus died, salvation was purchased. The fullness of salvation is ours. And I love the word profusely. It profusely abounds. It's huge. It abounds. It overflows. It's, it's bigger than we can begin to, begin to know with our puny little brains. But it is everything that Jesus came to give us, including wholeness in our soul, including acceptance and love, including healing from disease, from, from mental issues, from emotional issues, from relationship issues, including freedom from pain, freedom from rejection, and everything else that he paid for. The fullness of salvation. Jesus came to proclaim, guess what? That time has come. That acceptable time of the Lord has come. He's proclaiming it. The word acceptable is the the Hebrew word, I don't know how to pronounce it, ratsown, R-A-T-S-O-W-N. And this is what it means. It means his pleasure, his delight. And I'm going to just put myself in that place. His pleasure in me, his delight in me, his acceptance and approval of me. And his favor and his goodwill for me. Just like my own children who I love so much. I want to pour favor on them. I want to give them my goodwill. He loves us so much. He's pleased with us. He accepts us. He approves of us. And favor is the result in his goodwill. That was a prophetic word fulfilled through Jesus. But 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2 is after Jesus had died and purchased our salvation. Listen to this. Working together with him, and him refers to Jesus, we strongly urge you not to receive God's grace in vain by turning away from sound doctrine and his merciful kindness. For he says, at the acceptable time, the time of grace, I listened to you and I helped you on the day of salvation. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We are in that time. If we are saved, if we are God's children, that's who we are. That's the what we live in, that's where God wants us to, to be surrounded in, and receiving. It says, if you, don't, if you don't receive it, then his grace is in vain. It's already paid for. It's already done. He doesn't have to pay for it again. 
But if we don't understand it, believe it, and receive it, it's as if it was in vain. If we buy the lie that we're not accepted, if we buy the lie that we're not valuable, if we buy the lie that we're rejected, then it's as if God's grace is in vain and we're turning it away. The present is there and we're not receiving it. Rejecting him and his gift. And then the last scripture, Ephesians 1, 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Through his grace, we have been made the accepted in the beloved. Okay, before we go into the ministry, I want to share my testimony. And um, this is kind of hard for me to share, not because I'm, I'm very transparent. I'm not, a, I, I don't mind sharing it. It's just that it's kind of you know, all interwoven and a lot of stuff that, that, that happened inside of me. It's kind of hard to explain because it's, it's just kind of a, a big deal that happened inside of me. So I'm going to do my best. And I'm just going to tell you that I spent 21 days um, meditating and praying through this. And this is my journal that I used during that 21-day season of my life. So there's a lot more that I'm sharing than what I am sharing. It, ha- it started on September, in September of 2015. Kent and I were um, visiting our kids out in Nevada, and we were just getting ready to go to a conference at Bethel in Redding, California, Bill Johnson's church. And we were preparing to go. It was the day we were getting ready to go, and I was in prayer. uh, And um, God spoke something to me, and I didn't understand it. But his word to me was, Cindy, you're landlocked. That's all I really heard. But I knew it was from him. That's not. I didn't even know what it meant. It's not something I would have just dreamed up. I know that God put that in my heart. So we're driving to Bethel, and I'm, and I'm talking to Ken about it. I said, I feel like God told me I'm landlocked. I don't even know what, really what that means. So Ken started explaining to me in the natural. He said, well, when, a, when you're landlocked, basically it means you have a piece of property that you're not able to access because there's adjacent properties that take up all of the land, and you can't get to your property. So um, he, we were kind of just talking about it, And the example that he shared with me was we have up north, you guys hear me talk about up north all the time, we have an island. And the island, um, when it was built, there was also a little access road that connects the island to the mainland. And then on the other side of that little road, there's a little piece of property that we own so that we can access the island. On both sides of that little road, there's another piece of property with a cottage, another piece of property on the other side with a cottage. And they both have this piece of property. We have this little road, this little access piece of land in between. But if we didn't have that piece of access land to drive out to the cottage, we couldn't get to it. We couldn't get to the island, to our lake house. We would be landlocked. God showed me, when Kent started explaining this, and I started, okay, God, you said I'm landlocked. 
Help me to understand this. He showed me there were three areas where I was landlocked. There were three enemies of my soul that had taken residence that were keeping me from accessing my property. Now, my property is my inheritance, everything God gave me. That's who I am. But God was showing me I couldn't access the fullness of what I had, what he had given me, because of these three areas. The three areas were root of rejection, fear of man, and timidity. And I, that's, uh, he showed me to that when I just asked him. And it was a 21-day process. It wasn't a two-minute ministry time. It was a 21-day, every time, seeking God, talking to him, praying, having him uncover, show me more and more and more. But those were the three areas. So I'm just going to go through each of the three areas and give you a very m- tiny picture of what he showed me. In the root of rejection, what did that look like in Cindy? It was liking, needing, wanting your approval. Wanting, needing the, the words of people to say that I was okay. That, you know, okay. You know, telling me the, the message meant a lot to you or whatever. It was like I needed that to feel like what I was doing was okay. Instead of trusting God and his word, I was seeking the approval of man. So I um, asked God, God, where did this root come from? Why do I have this? Why is this so important to me? And just seeking God, saying, God, where did this? Because that's what I have you do. Say, God, when did this start? When did this happen? And he showed me that when I was young, and first I want to say this, I want to preface this by saying that I have an amazing family. My upbringing, my home life, my parents, my sisters and brothers, and extended family, I am one of the most blessed people I know because I have an amazing family. But nobody's perfect. And what God showed me is I'm the youngest of four children in my family. And um, my parents, like most parents in that generation, disciplined very harshly. So I learned through experience that what not to do because my, my siblings, my older siblings, were very harshly punished for stuff they did and I didn't want that I had a fear of punishment and because I had a fear of punishment because I saw it with my brothers and sisters I was just a really good kid and I didn't do anything to to deserve that punishment but what God showed me is that I had taken that experience And I had allowed it to follow me into my adulthood. The fear of judgment. The fear of punishment. But mostly the fear of judgment. So I went through the whole process of forgiveness for that situation. I forgave in my heart. I didn't didn't talk to my parents. That wasn't necessary. But in my own heart, I forgave. I let it go. I just said, I'm not going to carry that anymore. And then God gave me this word. And what I did was, um, he gave me a scripture. It was 1 John 4. It's about the love of God casts out fear. And I just started reading it and meditating on it in many, many different translations. And I literally printed them off and put them in my journal and started highlighting and making notes and let God just 
deep in this scripture to me. But the part of the scripture that really spoke to me is the part that says, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And what I realized was that I had that fear of punishment, fear of judgment when I was a kid. And that fear of rejection that I was living with today was a result of that experience in my life. So I said, ah, I'm just getting rid of it. God, this is your word. So the old mindset I'm replacing with truth. And I've meditated and meditated and meditated on this scripture about God's perfect love casting out fear. And when that is cast out, there's no fear of judgment. I know that Jesus took my judgment I know that because he took my judgment, I am righteous. I know that he, there's, there's no condemnation. There's no rejection because I'm in Christ Jesus. So I've been replacing the old mindset with the new. So that's the first part of the landlock. The second part of the landlock was fear of man. What does that look like in Cindy? Hmm. It's really easy for me when you come to me to share all sorts of things about how amazing God is. It's really easy. It's really easy when people call me on the phone or connect with me through Facebook or connect with me through the website. Oh, it's easy. But if you take me out into another environment where people disagree, where people think you're a little crazy because of your belief, all of a sudden there's a fear of man fear of what people think and that that remember when i was going through the symptoms like the words wouldn't come out i have so much scripture in me it just is in there but it was like this wouldn't come out of me and just like being out of my comfort zone out of that place where i felt totally confident in my amazing god so that's what fear of man looked like in me Difficulty standing up for my God and for my faith when I was in a place where people disagreed or wanted to debate with me. Hate conflict. I hate debating. I hate confrontation. Those are the symptoms of rejection, right? So I went to God again and I said, God, where did this come from? What is the root? When is the first time I felt this way? And what he showed me was when I was um, young, I remember I said I was a really good kid. I never, uh, I didn't want punishment or judgment, so I, I was just really good. But there were a couple times, and God showed me several of them, where I experienced that wrath of my parents. One of them, um, um, I was having a conversation. I was probably teenage years, and I was having a conversation. I wasn't. I was listening to this conversation at my dinner table, and my dad is very um, opinionated and voices it loud and clear a lot. And that particular day, I joined the conversation. I don't remember anything about what the conversation was about, but I do remember this. My dad stopped me and he said, and he yelled, and he said, you have no right to your opinion as long as you live in my house. So whatever it was that I offered, it was probably uh, in opposition to what he said. And he said, he yelled, he yelled loud. And he basically said, no, 
you can't say that. You have no right. As long as you live in this home, you have no right to your own opinion. And I remember that. It was like, oh, and I didn't do it again, needless to say. I kept my mouth shut. But I believe that was the root of me not wanting to confront or not wanting to be of a different opinion and being afraid of what people would think if my opinion was different. Even in this ministry, when I know God's truth and I have no doubt, I have a faith that could move mountains. It does move mountains all the time. And yet there was that fear of man. So God has shown me, oh my gosh, I could go on like in, with this forever and tell you how many times God has told me how pleased he is with me, how he encourages me. Oh, especially when I'm discouraged, especially when I'm going to him and, and having a sad day because maybe um, I'm seeing something that, that where a person hasn't received or, or worse yet, if somebody that I love has passed or I'm just really, really hurting and, and crying and God encourages me. God is pleased with me. And so he has shown me I can't even tell you how many times how pleased he is with me and how much he is blessed and how encouraged how much he encourages me. So I have to keep my eyes on that and not what people think. It's more important what God thinks. I need to be a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. So that's where I need to change my mindset. And let God be my, my, my acceptance and my approval and not worry about man. The third area was timidity. I've shared a little bit about this already. But what did that look in, like in Cindy? That was um, um, wanting to stay, uh, kind of goes with the fear of man, wanting to stay in my comfort zone. Not wanting to step out. When I'm in my comfort zone, everything's just fine. But God, when he nudges me a little bit and says, go to the next level, go to the next level, go to the next level, it's like, oh God, that doesn't feel good. I'm afraid to do that. Um, and another part of this um, timidity is comparison. So looking at, I, I, Kent and I have been so blessed to be able to be in the realm of many strong men and women of God um, both in the big conference level as well as people that we know personally. Pastor Tim, our pastor covering, Fran and Tom, so many beautiful people that have really been around us and surrounded us, strong, strong believing believers. But my tendency has been to compare myself to other people and say, well, I'm not as good as them in this, or I don't, my, I, you know, God doesn't use me like he uses this person. And, and doing that whole comparison thing, that's what that looks like in me, that whole timidity thing. So again, I went to God. I said, God, where did this come from? When did that start? When did that root get in me? And he showed me, once again, it was when I was very young, and because of the whole, everything else I already told you, I was looked at as the quiet one, the shy one, the, 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 the good girl. I was a good girl. <laughs> but all of those words were spoken over me a lot, my whole life. Uh, my, my sister was the opposite. So they compared us. My sister was the more aggressive one, the more outgoing one, the more whatever. Cindy was the quiet, she was the shy, etc., etc. So those words had been spoken over me. Words are powerful. I believed it. 
I thought, well, that's my personality. Until God replaced that lie with his truth. And his truth is in 1 Timothy 1.7. His truth says, I have not given you a spirit of timidity, Cindy. Uh-uh. I gave you power and love and a sound mind. That's what I've given you. That's a lie. Personality tests, those things are pretty much lies, guys. And I know we've all done them in our work world. But God says, you are accepted, you are approved, you are loved. So here's the declaration that I have spoken over myself. This is not in your paper. This is my declaration based on Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. I already read that scripture to you. But this is how I've made it a declaration over myself. I declare that my thoughts, my emotions, my attitudes, my character, and my moral disposition are free from the spirit of timidity, the fear of man, and the fear of rejection. I will not crave man's acceptance and approval instead of looking to God alone for acceptance and approval. I am satisfied with my present condition, my present circumstances, and with what I have and who I am in Christ and in whose I am. For God himself has said, I will not in any way fail you, Cindy, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. So I, Cindy, take comfort and am encouraged, and I confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with timidity or fear of man. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? Amen. Amen. Okay. So, Kent, you can get ready to turn on the music. We are going to go into a time of corporate ministry now. And like I said, friends, I spent 21 days just seeking God about this. And we're going to spend probably 10 minutes. But I'm believing God is going to start a work. And you know, you know, God might finish it just like that. He's a miracle working God. But whatever it is, let him speak to you. Kathy started this whole session with saying, God, where are you today in, for me? Show me you for me right here in this moment. He's here with us now. Holy Spirit is everything that we need. And he's here with us now to unveil, to heal, to reveal, and to heal. Okay. So, Father, I just pray as we come to you and put our hearts and our ears and our our focus on you, that you will reveal to us anything that you want to heal us of right now in this area of rejection. So I'm just going to read some questions out loud and then give you time to listen to God. If he shows you anything, just jot down a little note and then just let me lead you through the next step, a step at a time. Thank you, Father. So the first thing I want you to ask God is ask him if you've partnered with the fear of rejection. 
Ask him if, if you seek the approval of man over his approval. Ask him if you're looking for honor and acceptance from people instead of from him. And if this is something that he's showing you that you have in there, ask him this question. Say, Father God, where and under what circumstances did the fear of rejection gain entrance into my soul? Where did it come from, God? say is there someone I need to forgive and if there is just go ahead and with a very whisper voice a quiet voice just start speaking out your forgiveness to that person for that person I release them from all harm done to me. I let it go. And Father God, I hand that wound to you. The next question to ask Say, Father God, is there a lie I'm believing? If he's showing you a lie that you've been believing, in my case, I was believing the lie of timidity. If there's a lie you've been believing, renounce it. God, I renounce that lie. And then ask him to give you his truth. Because if there's a lie, there's a truth that will replace it. So ask him to show you his truth.
Is there anybody that would be willing to share if God has shown you a lie and a truth to replace it? We're going to go ahead now, and I'm going to just lead you through a prayer of renouncing the spirit of rejection and replacing it with the acceptance of Jesus. So just repeat after me. I cast off the fear of rejection. Yes. I break all ties with the fear of rejection that has dominated my life. I cancel every agreement I have made with the fear of rejection. I will no longer partner with the fear of rejection. I command the fear of rejection to remove your foothold from my life and leave me now in the name of Jesus. And by the power of his blood, I claim back all ground and authority that the enemy has stolen. Now we're going to do the opposite. We've reject, we've cast off the spirit of rejection and now we are going to receive the acceptance of God. So repeat after me. I have accepted Jesus' sacrifice. I have accepted God's grace and his mercy. He has saved me. He has redeemed me. I am a child of God. I am not an orphan. I am not rejected. I am not alone. I am forgiven. I am loved. I am accepted. That's who you are. That's who I am. Amen. 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 Okay.